in perfection. Amen. Moving in his glory and his power. Amen. Come up into the Holy Ghost. That's what we mean, perfect love. That's the Holy Ghost. Come on up into it. Amen. Rise into the heavenlies where all things are possible to them that believe. Amen. Praise the Lord. We're going to have a baptismal service today for Katie Oglesby today who's given her heart to the Lord and wants to be baptized in his name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. How great is our God. How worthy. Amen. Let's just bow our heads together now. Jesus, we're your children and we gather in your name. How we feel your presence here already among us as you've just come down among your saints today, revealing yourself through the, the songs of praise, Lord, reminding us of a divine promise. Lord, there is a perfect image, that image you had of us in your mind before the world began, that word that spoke of us. Let us come and match that word, Lord. That theophany, Lord, that spirit body, Lord, for we have one waiting. And I pray, Lord, you'll bless us today as we look into the word. May you minister to hearts and lives and just open up our understanding, God. Lord, that we can just see the hope of our calling. Let us find that vein of anointing and speak as an oracle of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Let's look over here at Hebrews chapter 9, and we're going to read from verse 1 this morning. We just welcome you today as we're here in the name of the Lord. Amen. Gathered together in his name. That's his promise for us. Amen. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 1. Then verily the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service. And a worldly sanctuary, for there was a tabernacle made, the first wherein was the candlestick and the table and the shoe bread, which is called the sanctuary. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of holies, which had the golden censer and the Ark of the Covenant overlaid round about with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had manna. And Aaron's rod that budded, and tables of the covenant, and over it the cherubims of glory, shadowing the mercy seat, of which we cannot now speak particularly. Amen. God bless you. We'll let you have your seat. Today we're going to be speaking about a people that is under the blood. Amen. How many believes we're a people under the blood this morning? Amen. Jesus, of course, would type out every redemption um, promise in every manner. I mean, he was a perfect match piece to the Old Testament. And the sacrificial lamb would portray him in almost every way possible. First, he would be born in a stable as a lamb, and there would be shepherds that would be the first to find the newborn lamb. And this lamb would be killed upon the brazen altar. And again, the, the Um, brazen altar where the lamb was slain was not in heaven but rather it was the cross and even though it was a wooden cross 
It was represented as brass because of all the judgment of God was, that was due to mankind was poured out upon him. And there upon the altar of his cross, he was crucified. This is also typed as the brass serpent in the wilderness. And you would wonder, well, how in the world could a, a brass serpent represent Jesus Christ? But it represented it in this, is that he became sin for us. And he, he was crucified paying the penalty of sin. And it's the only cure for the serpent bite. And we know we're in this body because of the bite of the serpent. Amen. That we were, we were born in sin and shaped in iniquity, but Jesus paid it all. Amen. And we're people today of full redemption. We thank God for that. But uh, as we know, Brother Branham would tell us in the voice of, the, of God in the last days, he said, it contrasts all Bible prophecies. He was born in the spring like all lambs are born. Why was he born in a barn instead of a house? He was a lamb. Why was he not just run up to the altar or the altar where he was nailed to the cross? He was led to the cross. You lead the sheep to the slaughter, and he was a lamb. He was born when lambs are born. So in every way, he would type the, the Old Testament lamb as he would become the sacrifice to become wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquity. Many would think, well, he was just a man. And, and as I said, you as a man, you've made yourself God. And that's the reason that they crucified. But no, he was God and he made himself a man. He died as a man, but in doing so, he became the sacrificial lamb upon the brazen altar of his cross and bore our judgment. He came all the way from heaven so that he could make a way back for mankind. And I, I want to emphasize this again this morning. He came from heaven. The Bible said in John um, 3.13 that he, he would say it like this. He said, no man can come down from heaven uh, ex, uh, uh, except he that is in heaven. And he said, even the son of man which is in heaven. So there again, he, he would say, no one can go into heaven except he that came down from heaven. Because heaven had been sealed off to mankind. But he had to come from heaven so that he could make a way back for man. Aren't you glad that this one was not just content to stay in the heavens and forget the earth? Amen. And forget us as his sons and daughters, but rather he would come all the way from glory, leave the Father's throne, and come here as a man to pay redemption's price, to make a way back for you to go to heaven. Amen. Now, so the earth, of course, was made to be an extension of heaven. In fact, in the millennium ahead, in the new heavens and the new earth, God will dwell with his people upon the earth. Actually, as we, have, as we have often said, the earth was made for man, and it is here that God will dwell with his people. And when Jesus came, it was heaven coming down to man, and it was God coming down as he did to Adam, saying, Adam, Adams, where art thou? And it was God coming, looking for that which he had lost. Amen. And the, the atmosphere between heaven and earth, it had become clouded with a veil 
that was thicker than the, the temple veil. I, I think it's a, it's a very amazing point that um, the Jewish people say that the veil of the temple was four inches thick. But this veil between God and man that, that covered the atmospheres that refused to let prayers to go up into heavens where demon powers would rule the, the atmosphere as the Bible said that he is the, Satan is the prince of the power of the air or atmosphere and he controlled the atmosphere between God and man that would keep the, the, the communication from God to man and God would consent, condescend through that veil and he would take on a body that would be subject to time and that would suffer aches and pains and sorrow and troubles. And he came here to make a way for the wayfaring man. He came to make a way for one like um, Abraham. And he came from that city that Abraham saw and looked for that he said whose builder and maker was God. And, and he, came to, he came to be the way to heaven that Jacob saw when he laid his head down upon that stone that day. And there was a ladder descended from heaven and angels ascending and descending upon that ladder. And it was, all, it was speaking of a way that God one day would, would open the heavens and open a way for mankind. And, and God would step out of, of heaven and come down to the earth to make a way for us to go back into his presence. And he, he, this is why he would say in, in John 14, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Because the truth is the way, and the truth is the life. And of course, he, he is the way and the truth and the life. And he said, no one can come to the Father except by me. This is the only way you'll ever get to heaven. I think that's very important that we stand there on that position in a day and time like when one of the messengers to Sodom, Billy Graham, has said, um, you know, or was quoted as saying, actually was in an interview where he said that, that um, it was really, um, uh, that there's all kinds of ways that you can come to God. And Jesus is one of those ways. He is not one of those ways. He is the only way to God, and that's through Jesus Christ. Amen. And so he would, he would actually, I want you to remember, uh, you know, I made him a statement the other day. He didn't die in the heavens. He did, but he died on the earth. But he actually, his cross, his altar was on the earth, but he died there on that altar, um, on that cross, suspended between heavens and earth. And he did it to make a way back for you and me, I, I want you to notice he, he didn't die on the earth and he didn't die in the heavens. He died in the place to make a way there through that dimension in order that we could go there, that that dimension could be open to us where that we could come into the presence of God. It'll also be in that very place, that very place that he came to redeem us as Brother Branham would say it, that the, the, the space that he came to redeem us, that we will actually meet him in the air. 
that very place. And it just shows you then the way is going to be open and clear to the people of the end time to leave from this dimension here of, of, of light, matter, and time and go into that heavenly realm of the eternities. So he would, he would die between the heavens and earth to be the bridge through the atmospheres of darkness. He said that no one can ascend into heaven except he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. You see, the devil controlled this atmosphere, and it was a veil. It was a veil of unbelief that clouded the atmosphere and placed this veil between God and man. And it's, you, you think of a four-inch thick veil. This is much more thicker than any temple veil. Amen. It is the whole atmospheres of demon anointing and demon powers there to try to ward off the blessings of God. And Jesus came through that very, through, through those veils of darkness that separated God and man to become one of us. Now, Brother Branham would tell us this in the mighty conqueror. He said, did you ever know the Bible said he ascended on, up on high, far above every, every through every heaven. And this earth belonged to the devil. Through the fall, this earth was given to the devil. Every kingdom of this world is governed by the devil. We hate to think that, but the Bible says it is. There's so little spoke of this ascension. It is one of the greatest days when he ascended up. Because all over the earth since that day, in the Garden of Eden, that sin was committed. All heavens was shut off from mankind. Satan is the prince of the power of the air. That's right. Why art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? No one could see in the glory. No man could understand because the power is just above us. Heaven means the atmosphere is above. And then all of these powers were shut off from mankind because of sin. And you notice even the Old Testament saints could not rise and go into his presence because there was not a blood yet that had been shed that could cleanse sin or that a sinful man could come into the presence of the Almighty God. And, and again, he would said there was a, a mist over, of sin over the earth the, and the blood of bulls and calves and sheep could not atone for the human. There they were kept in a place called paradise. There was a mist hanging over sin, and they could not ascend up only that he, only he that come down. So, so again, this is very important for us to understand. This impenetrable mist of sin over the earth. And there had to be a way back into God's presence. We've been speaking about the mercy seat. It would be important that a man could go, as Job would say, a man that could go and put his hands upon God and bridge the way between him and man. Who could intercede? It would be the same words that Isaiah would say, and I saw that there was no man, and I wondered that there was no intercessor. And, and so because there was no man that could redeem us, God himself takes on the form of human flesh in order to pay the price of redemption, to make a way for you into God's presence. Now, 
as Brother Branham said, as he rose there that day, he said, I think of him, that when he had risen from the dead that morning, that he had his own blood as a high priest. And he went beyond the veils through every sphere. Satan, in times past, had men blocked off from heaven. He could not get in contact with heaven. And, but when Jesus took his blood, the first veil he rent was the veil of death and the veil of the grave and then the veil in the temple and then the veil of sickness and the veil of fear and then every veil that there was an unveiled God to man. Hallelujah. This is what it means of the breaking of the veil. Amen. The veil of death, the veil of the grave, the veil in the temple, the veil of sickness, the veil of fear, and every veil that you can name. Amen. He triumphed over every one of them to make a way back into the presence of God for you and me. What a redeemer. He went way, way in above heavens of the heavens and was seated on the right hand of God and sat down as a finished work. That's right. Above all, and there he opened a channel, and God used to come down through those corners of heaven and talk to mankind in the Garden of Eden, and Satan by sin blocked them. But the great high priest, I want you to get a picture of this. The great high priest with his anointed, with his blood, went through every veil and ripped her open and cleared out the skies again that God and man could be father and son and commune again with one another. What a marvelous thing. And I don't think we fully catch the real significance of it all. May may God just open our hearts this morning and our eyes and our understanding to realize what has been done. Amen. God making a way for your fellowship. God making a way where that there would be no sin, no darkness, nothing to separate you from the love of God. Amen. Notice now as we, as we share you just a little more in Hebrews chapter 2, the, the Bible said he ascended on high and gave gifts to men. And there was an atmosphere hung over the earth of darkness, of gloom, of death, and of weary. And the the prayers couldn't come up because the atonement wasn't made. But he broke through that veil. He opened up the way and he opened up the veil of sickness. He broke the veil of sin. He broke the veil of worry. Amen. He broke the veil of depressed depression that comes with worry. He broke every veil and he made a highway for the wayfaring man walking up and down the king's highway. Amen. Oh, listen to the word this morning. Every veil is broke. You know, you know what it is? Every, every time you go to start believing, the devil wants to come in and try to keep you from believing. Bring a veil of worry and with it a veil of depression and a veil of doubt. But I want you to know every one of them's already been conquered. And you have a right to break through every veil, every veil of hindrance, every veil of death. 
amen, to break through into healing, into deliverance, into salvation, into the Holy Ghost, into everything that you have need of. He made the way. Hallelujah. Brother, he's a mighty conqueror. Amen. Look at him as he stands there. And after he arose from the dead, then we notice that as he went on then, after he talked with his disciples, the Bible said he ascended upon high. What did he do? He took, he was here, come down the Logos from heaven. Remember, in the beginning was the Word, the Logos. The Word was with God and the Word was God. And he comes there from the Logos to man as the Word becomes flesh. He was come down here, the Logos from heaven. When he went, and when he went back, he took with him the high priest, being a high priest anointed, oh listen, with the torch light of his own blood. Amen. When he went down there over these powers that had been here that accused, that wouldn't let God and man fellowship, it had been broke in Eden. Now, I want you to keep these things in mind. Now, hold, hold these thoughts real close to you. He comes, and, and now he did his work as the lamb. He died on the cross on the brazen altar. But now he raises as a high priest. And he's going to start a priestly work of redemption, of atoning, because this one isn't just the lamb. He is also the high priest. Because he's taken his own sacrifice, being the lamb himself, and, and taken his own blood. And he's ascending now all through all of these veils of darkness into the mercy seat. To shine a light of mercy. Amen. Right there into the mercy seat to put his own blood upon the seat of mercy. My, what a redeemer. Now, sin done the thing. Satan had the dominion, domain of this earth was Satan. It belonged to the devil. But when he become the anointed high priest, as, and then he gives a little illustration here. As Aaron, the high priest, went into the um, holiest of holies behind the veil, anointed with the precious anointing oil, walking a certain way, playing holy, holy, holy unto the Lord as he walked in as a type of Christ with the blood of the, of the lamb before him. And if, when, if he'd have went any other way, he would have died. Now remember, this is Aaron. Aaron, if he'd have went any other way than through the blood of a lamb... He first would have to offer a lamb for his own sins. Then he would have to wash in the laver and, and go through cleansing, wash his hands and his feet. And then he would take the blood off of that altar. And there he would, there mixed there with it, the coals off of the altar into the altar of incense. And then he would take the blood that he was carrying off of that lamb and he would carry it into the holiest of holies. And he would anoint the four corners of or anoint the, every part of the, the, the mercy seat seven times and pour the remainder right down in front of the altar. Are you with me? Now he was doing this to make an atonement for sin. Amen. But Jesus, he is a greater high priest. He didn't have any sins. 
but he paid for the sins of the whole world and he became the sacrifice and on the brazen altar of his cross the judgments of God was poured out upon him oh if you can just get a picture of it you'll know you'll never have to go through the judgment because it was there he paid it all hallelujah once and for all amen paid it all so that you could go free. Hallelujah. Now, you could go free just like Barabbas did and continue being a Barabbas. He paid the price. But then it comes back to you to have to go back to that same thing and accept that atonement. Somebody with me? Now watch this. Aaron the high priest went in the holiest of holy behind the veil, anointed with the precious anointing oil, walking a certain way. The bells and, and the pomegranates around his garments would play holy, holy unto the Lord. He walked in as a type of Christ with the blood of the lamb before him. If he went any other way, he would die. But Christ with his own blood, as high priest anointed with the power of God, raised from the dead and tore down the dominion of Satan. And he broke the domain and he went into heavens, beyond heavens, and he was come to the lowest of the earth and received up into heaven. And God set him on a pinnacle until he has to look down to see heaven. Amen. No wonder he's a mighty conqueror as he stands to yonder today in the domain forever and ever. Now, Isaiah said, unto us a son is born. Unto us a child is given. His name shall be called Counselor, Prince of Peace, the mighty God, the everlasting Father. And of his domain there shall be no end forever and ever. He will reign on the throne of David, seating in the heavens of heavens, far above every angel, archangel, every principality and power. He tore down and spoiled at his crucifixion and resurrection. Everything Satan had. He broke through that veil of sin. He tore it apart with the high priest's blood of his own body. He come next. What was it? It was a veil of sickness held over the people. He tore it apart. Amen. Amen. For he was wounded for our transgressions with his stripes we were healed. Then he went through the great veil yonder of sickness. The great veil of sin. He went through the great veil of worry. He went through the great veil of fear and he tore every one of them down and ascended on so high and received a name above every name that is named in the heavens or the earth or in the world to come. Amen. Aren't you glad for that? Think about redemption. Think about what he did for you when he ascended on high, brother. You know, that a lot of people are preaching about the cross and what he did at the cross, but what about his ascension? When he made a way into heaven for you. Yeah, at the cross he took your judgment. But there in the ascension he made a way for you. Through the blood of Jesus Christ. God taking that lovely one who had stooped down so low. That he didn't even have a place to be born. Or a place to die. And God exalted him on high. And gave him a crown of glory under. And a name above every name. There he sets today the mighty conqueror since he rent the veil in two. 
The veil of sin was ran into. The veil of sickness was ran into. Every veil that kept man away from God was ran into. I am the way, the truth, and the light. He broke every power. He scattered every devil, and he made a searchlight from glory. Amen. What a conqueror that he is. And I'll tell you what this morning, he's still the mighty conqueror. All you have to do is name a name. His name is greater. His name is higher. Come on. Everything else has to bow to his name. Every enemy has to come bow down at his footstool. Amen. He will triumph. Listen, let me tell you. He not only triumphed over the sins of the world, he come to triumph over your sins. Amen. Where, where that the sin in your life, he conquers it. That it becomes his footstool. In other words, he takes possession over it. He'll do the same thing with the sickness in your body. For he was wounded for your transgressions. Bruised for your iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we were healed. What a word of promise that is. Amen. Give me just a little more sound here. Now, so he broke every power, broke every domain, made that searchlight from glory. Brother Branham sitting the old prophet, and he's talking about Jacob here. When he laid down there on the bed of stone that night, and his pillar of stone, he saw angels ascending and descending. Notice in the first place, it was descending and ascending. But this time, it was God and man. Ascending and descending on the ladder of Jacob, as we call it. When he broke every power, fought every domain, sets at the right hand of the majesty on high, far above everything. The channel of the Holy Ghost in this dark world is laying over, open for whosoever may will may come and be baptized into this great channel of his blessings and receive the redemptive blessings that he died for. What a Savior. What a Redeemer. Now, this is why Brother Branham said, you can't walk outside this veil. You've got to come in here and find out. Every person now has to come behind the veil. You've got to break through that veil of worry, depression, unbelief, doubt. Amen. If you want God's blessings, you got to break through it. And you say, Brother Tim, how can I do it? Well, it's already conquered. All you have to do is come through the way. Through Jesus, your conqueror, it's already been opened. It ain't you having to do it. It's, it's God's already done it for you. You just get on the ladder and walk up. Amen. You just climb up by faith until you come into God's presence. And then you realize, I am a blood-washed, blood-bought son or daughter of the living God. I am under the blood. And I've got a right now to come into this presence and to come boldly, not timidly, not a beggar. Not as, not, not as a, a, an intruder, but I'm coming as his bride, his chosen, his elect. His love, and I'm walking into his presence. To what? To tell, to tell, the, tell him what the devil has been doing to you. 
I'll tell you what, just go ahead. Grab him by the hair of the head one time. Bring hold that old demon of worry or that demon of depression. Grab a hold. Come on. Drag him up into God's presence. This thing's been bothering me. This sickness. This tormentor. This is a thing. Listen, we've had enough of the devil accusing us before God. It's time you accuse the devil before God. You know, he died at Golgotha. It's called the place of the skull. We learned when we was over in Israel that, you know, they had... They have where the garden tomb is, and is there where um, Gordon's Calvary is what it's called because a, a British man by the name of Gordon uh, just, you know, discovered this part. Of course, the Catholic Church have got their own, their own Calvary and their own, their own uh, cave and, and, and so on, but there they thought it was, it was the place of the skull because there was limestone that had been eaten out looked like two eyes and maybe a sunken nose two hollow eyes looked like up on the side of the hill they said right up there is where that Jesus died and over here just down from here is where they took him and buried him and it's not not a very far at all where the where the garden tomb is But when you go and you compare the pictures, the photographs of a hundred years ago, erosion has made the eyes much larger and the nose much larger. And in just a hundred years, it has changed so dramatically that it's hardly even like the picture that was taken a hundred years ago. So they begin to research a little bit in the Bible. Because, you know, this was called the place of the skull for some reason. And it was alongside a busy highway. And you will read it in the Bible yourself that David, when he killed Goliath, he cut off his head. And then the Bible said he took his head up to a certain hill close to Jerusalem there. And he hung the head of Goliath. So that everybody could pass him by, could look over there and see Goliath is dead and Goliath is conquered. Hallelujah. This is where that Jesus was crucified. Amen. And there in the busy way of the highway, there upon the highway, you can pass by and look at the three crosses as you come by. And you can see sin has been judged. And sin has been paid for. And sickness was judged when sin was judged. And the blood was shed. That annihilates sin. Now, there he is. He ran every veil in two. You got, you can't walk outside of this veil. You got to come in here and find out. You got to get here where there's nothing between you and God. Where the angels of God can descend and ascend. 
back and forth, bringing the messages of God back and forth to the individual. There's nothing between my soul and my Savior. The point said, there he sat, the mighty conqueror. He ran every veil in two. He rent the veil that you could be saved. He rent the veil that if you have committed adultery, if you have cursed, if you have done anything wrong, he rent that veil for you. That stick, oh, is somebody tuned in this morning? That stick that Satan holds over you. Whatever the name of it is, come on. He ran it if you'll only receive him. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That means every sin is under the blood. Hallelujah. Once you remind the devil then that you don't have any sins. Amen. He's lying to you, telling you that you got sins. I tell you, your sins have been paid for. The debt is over with. But not only that, it is so annihilated till it's back on the head of your accuser. And you have a prophet saying, you never did it in the first place. That sin was never attributed to you as a predestinated seed it never was your sin it's not associated with your name hallelujah if you're sick today how many has been sick how many has got a need in your body if you're sick today and the doctor says you can't get well he went he rent that veil in two And everything broken before God, he rent every veil. He tears down every domain and he sets there the mighty conqueror since he rent the veil in two. But Brother Tim, my problem's different. It ain't just a sickness. I've got a wore out joint. I've got a a problem, you know, in my shoulder. I've got this situation here. Listen, the same one who created it in the beginning can recreate again. Amen. What do you think had to happen when Brother Branham prayed for that man that was blind and he had no eyeballs in three days it formed? Amen. I would start looking for something to start forming in my shoulder, in my neck, in my hip, in my heart, my lungs, in my body. Amen. No matter where I'm afflicted, He was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquity. I think we forget sometimes who we are, what the blood has done for us, what Calvary means. And this is what the message was to do, to bring you back to the original atonement and show you the power of it. Not to be turned into a weak and powerless church, but a church full of power. Amen. I don't know exactly how I, I came up on me on, on the other day, but it popped up again, just a little clip of that service, February the 20th, when Sister Lana was healed now a year ago. And there, there in that service, you remember... Remember, she, she rejoiced in that victory 
that we received in Jesus because I was preaching. God is doing some extreme things. And he's turning the people back to Bible faith. To Bible doctrine. Amen. To Bible word and Bible action and Bible days. You ought to full well remember that service. It ought to be in your heart forever. Amen. And you know what happened there as we were singing and we were leaning on the everlasting arms. She began just to run in victory around this church. Went back the next day, the very next day for a clear scan. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, in that very same service, and you may remember this, it's on, it's on tape, it's on the video, that some weeks prior to that, I had got a little, little email from a little brother over in South Africa. He's a little preacher there. I don't know him. He just has written me several times through the years. And, you know, when he wrote me this time, you know, I, I thought, you know, he, he just said, Brother Tim, would you just pray for me? I desperately need a job. And jobs are very difficult to come by in, in South Africa. Very difficult. And you know, they've got three races of people. They have the black, the Africans, and they have the coloreds, which are the, the, the mixed of people from Malaysia and workers and whatever else. And, and they're called colored people. And then they have another, which is the white people come from, most, most of them were, were um, from, I believe, were Dutch people. And they speak a Dutch language. But he said, but you know, with, with the changings of the laws, it makes it, makes it very hard for people of color, or you know, the colored people. And, and like I said, they're not Africans. They're just a mixed race of all Malaysian everywhere coming, maybe, maybe even some African. But anyway, they've been there for several hundred, maybe 400 years. I don't know, probably as long as we have here in America. And, and so, you know, the world pressure has come down to, to try to bring equality. And so... You know, the, the blacks now, the original Africans have the priority in the hiring and then the, then the colored and then the whites. And there's a lot of people that are fleeing that country because of extreme poverty and no jobs and corruption in governments. And, and so, you know, I've been unable to get a job for, for um, months, for several years. and was in extreme poverty and his wife had come down with a a condition where she had the third stage rectal cancer. So she, he writes me and he said, you know, Brother Tim, I'm in a desperate situation. My, I don't have a job. I've been living with my in-laws and we just barely make it. And, and I, I need help, my brother. I, I need some help. Well, my heart goes out to him. You know, but I mean, you know, take all the dollars that I have in my pocket and spread it around the poor in the world it don't go very far. And so, you know, I thought, well, what can I do to help this man? And I knew what I could do. I said, send me your address. And I'll send you a prayer cloth. And remember, I took that prayer cloth in my hand that day and prayed over it. And I claimed the blood that was shed at Calvary for that need. 
And I asked for a job for that man and for him to be able to get out of that poverty. I'm preaching to you this morning. I don't care how, how, what you, how desperate your situation is. God is still God. You say, but you don't know mine. Yeah, you don't know either. There's, there's, this is my God who will supply all your needs. Did you hear me say it? All of your needs. Amen. He cares about the sparrow. He cares about you. Amen. And there I prayed for that need there, for that little, little sister, for that little preacher. And he wrote me back the other day, and, and I'd already heard from him, but I'm just getting a, a new report. And he said, I just want you to know, my wife has had a miraculous healing. The doctor has dismissed her for two years. I don't need to see you for two more years. He said, I got a job with the agriculture department and said, even there, God held a job open for my wife for a whole year while she was sick and didn't fill a position so that she would have a job and she's back to work and we're on our way to recovery and walking in deliverance. As I come to the conclusion of that, and I remarked about as Sister, as Sister Lana made her victory laps around the church, and I said, she's like Miriam, she's having a victory dance because her enemy is dead. And I say again, and I said, your, your enemy is dead. And three times I said, your enemy is dead. And another little brother writes me from South Africa and said, for over a decade, I've been struggling with an issue and I've just been praying, God, if I could just hear those words, my enemy is dead. And I tuned into that service that morning and I heard those words, your enemy is dead. And I'm testifying that my enemy is dead. Hallelujah. Well, why not? Amen. He died upon the altar of judgment, upon the cross, and he was killed here. Amen. And he bore our infirmities. But however, then he comes the high priest as Melchizedek. In the order of Melchizedek, and with the torchlight of his own blood, he ascends into heaven and goes behind the veil. Is somebody with me now? into the mercy seat to anoint it with blood and there makes an atonement for sin and he doesn't leave the mercy seat. He sits there, come on church, interceding until the last name that's on the book is manifested upon the earth and that name is dipped in blood before he leaves that seat of mercy. Before it turns that everything that's filthy be filthy still and he that's holy be holy still and people are locked in their limbo. Amen. Before that happens, he's been waiting. Amen. Amen. He couldn't wait any longer on you, Justin. He went out and got you. Amen. He he may not wait any longer on you this morning. He's a God rich in mercy. You say, but I'm too far down in despair and unbelief, Brother Jim. This God can save. 
the uttermost. He can reach further down than what a man can look up. And he can bring a pardon for every sin. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. And make you whiter than the driven snow where you stand under the blood with speaking terms to ask anything in my name and I will do it. Not in the order of Aaron. He didn't qualify. He had been born a Levite. But he wasn't here of an earthly order. He was a high priest of a heavenly order. And he comes in the order of Melchizedek with the torchlight of his own blood and ascends into the heavens and went behind the veil to the mercy seat to anoint it with blood and make an atonement for sin. And he sends a sign back to the earth that he's done it by ripping the temple veil and showing the way has been made into the holiest of holies. And now mercy is there and grace is free and parting there can be multiplied to you and me. Now, the book of Revelation speaks of two altars. One of the altars is the throne of God. I call it that because Brother Branham called it that. And it's called the altar of mercy or the mercy seat. The other is the altar of incense. You say, well, what, what about his brass altar? It was, on the, it was the cross. The throne of God is the golden altar upon which he sits. As a mediator between God and man. I'm just going to share some snippets right here from the first seal. And and we're going to just share this together. He said, if there's no sacrifice on the altar, then the prayers cannot be received. So our prayers can only be received because of the work that Jesus did at Calvary. It's only by the blood of the sacrificial altar that lets the prayers go through to God. And then he tells us that this blood has been applied to the seed of mercy in heaven. So it wasn't just upon the cross that the blood was shed, but he takes the blood now into the holiest of holies. Watch this as Brother Branham calls it in the fifth seal the fifth seal is open there. See, see many other things. If you caught it, see, I'm waiting for my questions to come to see by. All right. Now, where the ark, what's the word ark? Ark uh, is ark of the covenant. The altar of incense, the, uh, the, this, the altar, the brass altar is not called the ark. Right? The, the ark is the ark of the testimony, testament we're in. Wherein is the mercy seat, and under the covering of that mercy seat of the two cherubims is where the word is. Amen. It's laid right there, the Ten Commandments, right in the ark. And Jesus sits upon the throne of mercy. Is somebody with me? So he said, where the ark, the slain, wounded, bleeding, bloody lamb, for atonement, for these odorous prayers. 
So again, he went in there to the mercy seat to do what? To make a way so that we could have fellowship with God again. Somebody helping me preach now. So notice he calls the ark and the ark of the covenant the throne of God, the mercy seat, the brazen altar was his cross, but the mercy seat is where his blood atones. As he says, where was the ark, the slain, the wounded, bleeding, bloody lamb for atonement for these odors prayers? So you see, he was on, he was sitting upon the ark of testimony, which is the mercy seat. Notice now, the ark is the mercy seat. Now, Brother Branham tells us in Revelation chapter 4, verse uh, and he says, sprinkle it. Now he's quoting the scripture here where they was to sprinkle it eastward and before the mercy seat shall he sprinkle the blood with his finger seven times. Now you remember why that's far. And he says, isn't that beautiful? Seven times toward the east. What is it? The seven church ages shall be covered with blood. Amen. 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 Isn't it wonderful to know we're here in the last age and there's a sprinkling of blood for the last age. Hallelujah. What is that? That's the baptism of the Holy Ghost for the age to prepare people for the rapture because you can't be raptured without blood. And the blood, the Holy Spirit is the life of the blood. The seven church ages shall be covered by blood. Hallelujah. Jesus' blood just as sufficient in it. Yesterday, today, and forever, and to every age. Oh, I love this. To save every sinner, heal every sick person, bring every miracle, every sign to pass. Seven times way back yonder in the Old Testament, 1,490 years before Christ came. Think of it, symbol, seven times shall. So he's showing, you know, 1,400 and something years even before. There, there was a seven sprinkling of the blood. Speaking of how that God would, through the seven angels, have seven sprinklings of blood. That would be the life of Christ for every age. That's why I keep telling the brethren, you know, quit going, trying to go beyond the seventh church age into another age because you're in another age. There's no blood there. And without blood, there's no rapture there. Amen. You say, well, brother Tim, we're in the bride age. That's right. That's the seventh age, the bride age, where the seventh angel comes and sounds his message. Pulls us out of Pentecostal tradition into the, back into the original Pentecostal word. Let me just say it. It's unfortunate that they got the name Pentecost. Amen. That's right. It's unfortunate they got that name because it brings a confusion. They wasn't Pentecost. They were still an extension of sanctification. Which is, which is under Methodist. Amen. But we're, we're coming here now to the blood age. Amen. We're coming right here to the time of rapture age. Where the life of the blood now is made manifest by the baptism. Not, not a baptism. Not an anointing. But the true baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now. So seven times. Then he shall kill the goat to sin offering. That is for the people and bring his blood. 
with the, in the veil to do with that blood as he did with the blood of bullocks. Sprinkle it upon the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. And he shall make an atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanliness of the children of Israel, because of their trespasses and all their sins. And so shall he do for the tabernacle of the congregation that remaineth among them that is in the midst of their uncleanness. What was it? The mercy seat. What are they now? And there inside the ark was what? The law. And the law to trespass one commandment was to die without mercy. But the problem is, this is what the law says. And the problem is, all it sinned. And nobody could be perfect. Until a sinless one come. But being that you could have mercy, the blood had to lay on the altar. And they sprinkled the mercy seat. And the mercy seat is the altar where you kneel and ask for mercy. Oh, now listen to this. Hear it out across the land. God forbid that we ever take it from our churches. The old-fashioned altar where men can kneel and call on God for mercy. And mercy is rich and flowing free from the blood of the Lord Jesus. Now, also, that's the mercy. That's the mercy seat. Aren't you glad? Amen. I want to be a church that has a mercy seat. Has an altar that people can come and find grace in the time of need. Amen. Exactly right. We don't want to be an altarless church. We want a church that that has a seat of mercy. Amen. Where mercy is flowing out. Saying whosoever will. Let him come and drink of the water of life freely. Now. We want to see Jesus. Brother Brandon said in Awakening Jesus, he said, we want to see Jesus. I want to see him. Now we know that his body will not return to the earth until he comes for his church. Because it must remain there for a sacrifice. Is that right? It must be upon the altar. He sits on the throne of God. Now he's making clear what the altar that he's sitting upon. Because his altar of sacrifice, the brazen altar, was at Calvary. But here he is sitting there, not, not on a brazen altar, continuously dying for his sin. He died once and for all. But there he sits on the throne of God, which is the altar. All right? And, and he said... And it must remain, for by his stripes, he is the sacrifice, and the sacrifice is on the altar, and his body cannot come, but his life return, that it was in Christ, come back upon the church in the form of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit. Now, so you you can see very clearly, Brother Branham talks about this throne of God is his altar. Notice, I want you to get this, because this is going to be a very special point. Brother Branham takes us in the church age book to the seven golden lampstands. And he tells us how they were lit, how that there would be fire for every age. And we are people that must not let the fire go out. Is that right? So the lamp was lit in a special way. First, the priest took fire from the sacred altar, 
which was originally lit, lighted by the fire of God. He lit, first of all, the lamp that was sitting at the top of the bowl. Then he lit the second lamp from the flame of the first. The third lamp received its fire from the second lamp. And all, as did the fourth, receive it from the third and so on until all the seven lamps were burning. This holy fire from the altar being passed from lamp to lamp is a wonderful type of the Holy Spirit in the seven church ages. Hallelujah. Notice now, the original outpouring of Pentecost, which outpouring came direct from Jesus. Where? On the mercy seat. Is it doing his church through all seven ages? And showing forth perfectly that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The never-changing God in his essence and his ways. And hallelujah, this morning, we are the people of the seventh flame. And where did that fire come from? It came from the original fire that came down on the day of Pentecost that had come down from the mercy seat. From the very altar of God. Oh, hallelujah. You remember when it lit your life? Hallelujah. You remember when that happened and it lit your life? Amen. And that fire from the mercy seat, that blood is also fire. It's a living fire. It's the pillar of fire. It's the logos. It's the word. Amen. It's alpha and omega, beginning and the end. Amen. It's the original Pentecost. When that original fire of God, the pillar of fire comes down into your life. When he says, this is my beloved son. Amen. I'm pleased to dwell in this one. He surrendered his life to me, and he won't come to you surrender your life. Amen. Then the same thing that happened with Jesus happens with you. You go forth in the power of the Holy Ghost. You overcome temptation. You go out casting out devils, speaking with new tongues. Come on, healing the sick. Is that right? That's a, that, is, that is the commission that God gave his church. Never get away from that. The high priest, this high priest was both sacrifice and priest. He was no woolly lamb, but he was the lamb of God. You know, that, that must have been a strange title. When John's walking along and, it's, and that day, I'm preaching along the river Jordan. And he looks out there and he sees the light hanging over a man. And he says, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. That must have been a strange title. They were, they were not used to a, a, a man being the Lamb of God. Amen. But they didn't know it was portrayed all the way back from Abraham. Because you see, Jew, Jews, was, they did not believe in and, and receive human sacrifices. But God tells Abraham, go and sacrifice your son. Amen. Now, he don't let him go through it, but he wants him to type out what will happen one day when the, when the Lamb of God would come to take away the sin of the world and he would be a man. And it would be God's son. Oh, I, I, think, 
I think when he saw that lamb hung up there, that ram hung up by his ram's horn and caught right there, that had been spoken to existence. You know, Jesus was a child spoken to existence. This, this ram had been spoken to existence, was being held there. It's, it's in the Bible. Amen. He said the Lord God will provide for himself a sacrifice. Is that right? And there with his own lips, he is speaking the ram, the sacrifice into existence. And there, there as he goes to slay his son, he, God holds his hand and said, don't do it. But oh, no, oh, then comes a prophecy that says Jehovah Jireh. And it says, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. In other words, this scene will be replayed again on this very mountain. Glory to God. He wouldn't die in Jerusalem. He would die on Mount Moriah right out of Jerusalem. Come on, church. Very, very same place that Abraham had brought his son Isaac to offer. Here God now brings his own son. Oh, Isaac's coming along. I like, to, I like to think of it as he comes along and he's bearing the wood. Bearing the wood for his sacrifice. And it's there. Now Isaac, he knew what it meant to go to church. You know, your attitude toward Christ is going to have a huge impact on your children. Amen. You know, some people say, well, Brother Tim, I'm really strict. Well, why don't you be strict about going to church? Jesus was. It was his custom. Amen. Somebody said the other day, well, why, you know, you, Brother Tim, you, you spoke all about assembling and a lot of people were gone. I said, why do you did that? You're just preaching to those that was there. No, now I'm preaching to you who wasn't here. And I'll catch the next ones later. Amen. It's a very integral part of our life, of our Christian duty. Jesus went to the synagogue as was his custom. Amen. And so he, here, here again, we, we have a custom. Even Brother Branham would say, um, uh, you know, he, he got onto some of his people for hanging out their laundry out on Sunday. And, and the woman got back at him and said, I ain't no legalist. He said, you better be legal when it comes to going to church. That's one time you want to be a legalist. Amen. You come there every time the door is open. And if it ain't in your heart, pray until it happens. Pray till God changes something. Right? But here he goes now. All of that was free. Here he goes now, going on his way up to the, to the place that I will show you. Couldn't be just any mountain. Had to be on a certain place. Isaac bearing the load of the wood along on his back, trudging up the mountain. Father, here's the wood, here's the fire, where's the sacrifice? He knew the order of the sacrifice. Amen. He knew what it was required. He'd been to church. And he said, we got to have a sacrifice. And he, he says, the Lord himself will provide one. So he gets a, you know, he, he speaks that ram into existence. He calls it Jehovah Jireh. On this mount it shall be seen. 
Now, what, what was he doing? He was portraying when God would have a son, when God would become human. As I said, he wasn't a man making himself God. He was God making himself a man. And so he comes there upon the earth now to pay, pay redemption's price. And, and, and Isaac is typing it out, prophesying that on one day, on the same mount, God will provide another lamb. And it will not be a woolly lamb, but it will be a lamb without blemish, a lamb without sin, a sinless lamb. The only man that could do it. He was the only one born without sexual birth. He was the only one not born in sin. He was the only one that, that could pay redemption's price. It was not even the blood of man. It was created blood, so it was the blood of God. Somebody with me now? Amen. Now, notice he, he, he become both sacrifice and priest. No woolly lamb, but he would come and take to take away the sin of the world. As high priest... He was not presented. He was never presented in your Bible as of the lineage of Aaron. Nor was he of the tribe. Of, wait a minute. For he was of the tribe of Judah. You see. And that was the lineage of kings. And a Levite couldn't be a king. And a king could not be a Levite. But this high priest was the order of Melchizedek. And Melchizedek was a priest king. Amen. He was king of Salem, priest of the most high God. Amen. Without father, without mother, without beginning of days or ending of life. He abideth a priest continually. And Jesus was made in that order to be a continual high priest. Is somebody with me now? Now, the Bible would tell you where he ascended. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just kind of nail this down for you this morning. I want you to get it. New Testament doctrine. How many believes we're to preach what Paul preached? Yeah. New Testament preached. We don't have a new message. It didn't change because the prophet came. Amen. You say, well, the seals are open. Well, the seals only made the Bible a new book. It didn't write a new Bible. It didn't tear pages out of it. It just made that word live. Amen. Now, it brought to us, it brought to us the, the interpretation of the parables. Now, Hebrews 9 and verse 24. For Christ is not entered into the holy place made with hands, which are the figure of the true, but into heaven itself to appear in the presence of God for us. Now we can see where he went. He didn't go into a holy place. That's the holiest of holies, by the way. He didn't go into the holiest of holies made with hands. He went into heaven itself to appear in the presence of God for us. Now here's a mediator. When you couldn't go, he went. Amen. Not, not yet that he should offer himself often as a high priest entered in the holy place every year with the blood of others. So the blood, he would take the blood of others, meaning sheep and goats and bulls, and he would walk into there on a yearly basis on the day of atonement. Somebody help me preach. For he says, for then, for then he, he must he be, uh, uh, he often 
have suffered since the foundation of the world, but now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to pale away sin by the sacrifice of himself. So this is why he appears into the heavens. He does it. And so the very moment of the tearing of the veil, at the moment of Jesus' death, it dramatically symbolizes that his sacrifice, the shedding of his own blood, was a sufficient sacrifice and that it had opened the way into the holiest of holies and now it was open for all people both Jew and Gentiles and now God comes in plain view the veil is open where that you can boldly approach him and find the grace and the strength that you need in the time of need amen oh my as he died Remember when he died, Stephen looked up and he saw Jesus. Is that right? As Stephen was dying, he, heaven's open and he got a glimpse of it and he saw the mercy seat. And he said, I see Jesus standing at the Father's right hand. Amen. Because he didn't see the Father, the Father's invisible, but he saw Jesus, the visible image of the invisible God, standing in power and authority. Amen. Now, this is New Testament doctrine. New Testament doctrine, the, the apostles' doctrine, the one that heaven witnessed that Paul preached and that Brother Branham preached the same. This is, this is Bible teaching. They were positive. They knew where Jesus went. I'm driving this home because I want you to see it in the Bible. Here's what we believe, where Jesus went when he ascended. Matthew 22, 44, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou on my right hand till I make thy enemies thy footstool. So already there's an Old Testament prophecy laying there that he's going to be sitting on his right hand. Now, God hasn't got a great big right hand Jesus is sitting on, Right? But what he's got, that is a metaphor of power and authority. And no one can approach the invisible God without coming through the man, Christ Jesus, and his shed blood. Somebody with me now? Now, and Jesus, Jesus now answering Pilate said unto him, Thou hast said, nevertheless, I say to you hereafter shall you see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. So he, Jesus knew now where he would go. He would go and sit on the right hand of power. So now we get an understanding of what the right hand is. It's all the power. Jesus said, all the power in heaven and earth is given unto my hand. Now, if there's two gods, the other one don't have any power. Is that right? Because he said, all the power is given into my hand. What they are not seeing is God just changed his mask. The Jehovah of the Old Testament is the Jesus of the New. God was only changing his mask from God to man. Now, then he says, again, hereafter shall the Son of Man sit on the right hand of the power of God. So again, the right hand of the power of God. So we get, understand that what that metaphor, metaphorically this means. It means the right hand means the power of God. He would be the power and authority. Everything that would be done would be through his name. 
All the family would be named Jesus. Everything in word or deed, we would do it in the name of Jesus. Every demon has to bow to the name of Jesus. Every tongue has to confess that Jesus is Lord. Come on, somebody. Amen. Now, so again, the Son of Man shall sit on the right hand of the power of God. Notice now. Look at this next, next part. We, we notice, notice this next part, which is um, Mark 16 and verse 19. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. Now notice where he goes. He has paid redemption's price. The wrath is poured out on him on the cross on his brazen altar. And he goes to sit on the right hand of God, which means there the approach to God, the power of God. No one can come because he becomes the way, the truth, the life. Somebody with me now. So he sits on the right hand of God. Notice now, this is New Testament doctrine. We're going to go to Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost. We all know Acts 2.38. But let's look at some of his, uh, some of his sermon. You, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs. Oh, my. Listen, if that's what approved Jesus, don't you know that's what's got to approve his church? Amen. I, you know, I, you hear people today say, I, I wouldn't give a care about. I don't give a care about miracles. You better. Amen. You better. Men that are approved of God, there's miracles, signs, and wonders. A church that's approved of God, there's miracles, signs, and wonders. In fact, I say if there's not miracles and signs and wonders in the church, it's a dead church. It's a bloodless church. Amen. Because under the blood, there is miracles, there is healing, there is deliverance. Amen. So, So again, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs. God, uh, which God did him in the midst of you, as you yourselves know. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and the foreknowledge of God, you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosened the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. Oh, my. For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face. For he is on my right hand that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad. And moreover did my flesh rest in hope. Because thou will not leave my soul in hell. Neither will thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Oh hallelujah. If I could drive something home to you just a minute. Don't you realize this repeats again. Don't you realize there's going to be some alive and remain at the coming of the Lord that he also spoke the people that would be on his right hand of power and authority. Somebody help him. Amen. Who, who was always before him, whose hearts rejoiced and tongue was glad and their flesh rests in this hope because he will not leave our soul here in Satan's Eden. In this hell that's upon the earth right now. He will not leave us here. Neither will he let this.
this bride see corruption, she will not be denominated. She will not go down like the rest of them. She's predestinated not to fall. I had to bring that in right here. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me known. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Therefore, men and brethren, let me speak, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David. That he's both dead and buried, and his sepulchre is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with him, with an oath to him, that the fruit of his loins, according to his flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He's seeing this. Notice where he's going to sit, on his throne. New Testament doctrine. He's seeing this before it spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses, therefore being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has set forth this, which he now ends here. So he said the Holy Ghost comes by him sitting there on the throne. Amen. Because that's the blood of God, the very life that was of the blood, the Spirit. Come back on the day of Pentecost. Let's go now to Ephesians 1 and 19. Let's just see if Paul teaches this. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us for to believe? According to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above, oh, listen how far he is, above all principality and power and might and dominion, oh, hallelujah, and every name that is named, just name the demon, name the trouble, go before the throne and name him. Come on, he is above that name. He is an authority above that one. That at the name of Jesus, every knee has to bow and every tongue confess that he's ruler. He's Lord. They got to obey him. Hallelujah. And when we invoke his name standing in his stead, they got to obey us too. That's why he said in my name, cast Satan out. Amen. I'm, I'm preaching to a bunch of serpent bruisers this morning. A bunch of devil defeaters. Over oh, the ones that are, know that they're under the blood. And, and the prophet could see coming and warn the devil. Satan, be careful. There's a people on the rise. A people who know their God. Who will do exploits. Amen. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion. Every name that is named. Not only in this world, but also in the world to come. And he hath put all things under his feet. Hallelujah. Your trouble's under his feet. You are his victory. Amen. And gave, look now, look, look at this. Put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Notice now, that's his body. So if it's under his feet and you're his body, somebody help me now, then it's underneath your feet. Now I'm preaching to a triumphant church, 
a victorious church that God says to you, that thing that has been tormenting you is under your feet. That the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet. Hallelujah. Wasn't that what we said the other day when that demon was cast out? Lily, she testified of the other night. Amen. What was it? We come right out of there and said, you know why? You know what has just happened? We were triumphant. Amen. We were triumphant. Amen. What did we do? Help her get that thing under her feet. And when Satan's cast out, you can trample all over him. You can walk all over him and mash his old ugly head every way you want to because you are triumphant over him. And I'm telling you, you are triumphant this morning over every situation, over every lust spirit, over every demon spirit, over every sickness, over every sin. You're a triumphant church. Romans 8, 34. Who is he that condemneth? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's why when spirits speak out and say, you can't have her, I say, shut up. We don't have to hear you talk. We ain't having you talking in this church. We've heard enough of you. You've had your say. You've done your dirty deeds. Your own actions condemn you. And we don't have a room for you to say nothing. Shut up. Take dominion over the thing. Amen. Who is he that condemneth? Amen. It is Christ that died. Yea, rather, that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God and also maketh intercession for us. So shut up, devil. Amen. We're not listening to you anymore. We're listening to the one who's making intercession for us. I hear his voice. Amen. Colossians 3 1. If you be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Look at this. This is New Testament doctrine. This is what this is what the apostles believed. This is where Jesus sat. Hebrews 1 and 3. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. This is scripture after scripture. You see, the whole book of Hebrews is showing that he has went behind the veil into the holiest of holies, making a way for all of us to come there. He entered by his own blood, not the blood of animals. Hebrews 8 and 1. Now, of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. I'm going to sum it up. Of all the things I've said, here is the sum of it all. We have such a high priest. Amen. Oh, this is a summary of our message. We have a high priest. Come on, if we got the same summary, 
that the New Testament church have. Amen. And we come to the same conclusion and we sum it all up. We're going to have to say like they said, we have a high priest. And you sum everything all up. The reason we can overcome, the reason we can defeat sin, the reason we can have healing is because we have a high priest. And that's the reason we're going in a rapture because we have a high priest. Who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. Pretty clear what they believed. Hebrews 10, 12. But this man, and we have talked about all kinds of priests and Aaronic works and this and that and the other, what they did in the old covenant. But then he comes, but this man. But this man, when he met a demon, he cast it out. When, when he met sin, he defeated it. When he met the devil in the wilderness, he overcame him. Amen. Everywhere he went, doomed devils were starting to run. And begging him instead of, come on, him begging them. Amen. He, he was, they were begging him, don't cast us out before our time. And Jesus let him know, listen, you can be cast out before your time. That's why we can have divine healing. Come on. That's why we can rebuke sickness. Come on, somebody. Amen. Because you, you say, well, it's his time to go. Well, Bill Dow was 91 years old, and it was time to go. But he cast him out. Anyway, come on. And sickness had to go before his time. Even when his time was up. Amen. He stood triumphant. Watch now. now. Now watch. But this man, after he'd offered one sacrifice for sins, forever, he didn't have to do a thousand or a million bulls and goats. One bud. One bud. This man, one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God, from now on or henceforth, expecting, he's sitting there expecting you to put your foot on it. Did somebody hang up on me? From henceforth, expect until his enemies be made his footstool. And guess who's going to bring that enemy to bring it under his feet? That's you. Come on. And he's there interceding, expecting. Amen. Standing there, believing, expecting until all of his enemies be made his footstool. Well, if Jesus is expecting such great things, what about you and me? We ought to be expecting every enemy to come under his feet for him to take dominion over every enemy, every affliction, every sin, every problem. Hallelujah. Amen. This man sat down on the right hand of God. 
Hebrews 2, 12, 12, 2. Looking unto Jesus. Take a look. On the mount, it shall be seen. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He told you to believe. And you'll see the fulfilling it. Who for the joy that was set, set before him. What kind of joy was set before him? The joy that was set before him was you. Amen. When he was on the cross, you were on his mind. He knew you, yet he loved you. And there he, oh my, amen. He, watch, for the joy that was set before him. Oh, church. You know, I, I sat there the other day, came in the room, my precious little mother-in-law. She's a wonderful Christian. Her time is nearly up on the earth. I, I can't ask God to give her any more time here in this wretched condition when there's joy that lays just ahead. And I can't hold her here any longer. And I said to the family, you're going to have to let her go. There's a joy that she's lived for all her life. Like Daddy Bosworth said, the one I've served all these years is fixing to walk through these doors. I said, don't worry about her dying by herself. She can't die by herself. No one has to cross Jordan alone. So it'd be great to be there, you know, to comfort her as she crosses over and say your last goodbyes, but she won't cross Jordan alone. And if Jesus could do it because he could endure the shame of the cross, because he knew out of it all, he would see his seed. He would get an offspring. That there would be a bride in his image. And he would go to it all. Then can't we envision just a moment? Just what it's going to be like. When we look over and we see our loved ones start appearing. Knowing in just a minute we're going to be changed to be like them. Knowing that for that joy, I'll go through anything. For a place that there's no yesterdays or tomorrows, it's all one great big now, is eternity. For a place that's never an evil word, a hurt feeling, a broken home. A place... No sin can ever enter. There's a joy set before us. It's worth all the shame we go through. All the heartaches we go through. All the troubles we go through. One day we'll see him. It's going to be worth it. 
Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Peter said it, who is gone into heavens and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject to him. So now, where does he sit? Not upon a brass altar of judgment. He has not lain as a sacrifice for 2,000 years doing some kind of Aaronic priesthood, you know, dying and suffering uh, uh, thousands of death. His brazen altar of judgment was a cross, but he sat down with the Father in his throne, and he was a lamb who had been slain. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use here as, as my last scripture on this one, Revelation 3.21, because it's our scripture. To him that overcometh, Will I grant to sit with me in my throne? Even as I am also overcame and am sat down with my father in his throne. So you see, if we overcome, he will grant to sit with him in the millennial throne. When he reigns the son of David on the earth and will rule and reign with him. For the thousand years. Somebody with me? Amen. But look where he is. He said, I am sat down with my father in his throne. So he is clear, even from the words of Jesus himself, I sat down on the seat of mercy. And it is this altar that you come to, to find grace and help in your time of need. So you can't do away with the mercy seat. Amen. He tells us right here in this last age. Now, Brother Branham, and, and when their eyes was open, 1964, if God raised up from the dead and is here tonight, he promised it. Now his corporal body sits on the throne of God. He took a set down on the throne of God, but the Holy Spirit is here, which is Christ in spirit form. So Brother Branham tells you where he is. He, his corporal body sits on the throne of God. Why is this important? This next quote tells you, because there is no one that cares like Jesus. You may tell me your need, and I said, Jesus, help them. You may ask your friend to pray for you, and yes, Lord, you know, we want to remember so-and-so. But there's no one cares like Jesus. And you don't have to have a bishop, a priest, a preacher, or a pastor to go to Jesus. There's no Mary that you have to go talk to. There's no angel that you got to go talk to. Somebody help me now. There's nobody there that you have to go talk to. Jesus, you have a free access to him. He's your high priest. And he knows how you feel. You say, well, Brother Tim, I, I tell you, my, 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 there's such pain in my body until, I, you know, it's, and a little brother, little bro, brother wrote me last night begging for prayer, and he said, Brother, tell Brother Tim to pray for me. My joints hurt so bad. I got gout in my feet. I've never felt this bad. Will you just pray for me? But I don't care what you're going through this morning and how you suffered. 
said, well, Brother Tim, it's my, my shoulder. When he hung from that cross, he knew shoulder pain. Say, well, it's my feet. I can't walk a step without feeling pain. He knows how that feels. You say, but I've got a headache. And when they pounded him on his head, and he wore a crown of thorns and kept hitting it and sinking it down deeper and deeper, he was wounded for your headache. Glory to God where you could triumph over it. He was bruised for your iniquity. And the chastisement, what the weapons you should have been taking. And yeah, you're the one who should suffer like that. He, he didn't have to suffer. But he left all of glory to cut wood with the woodcutter. Amen. To, to walk out with the carpenters. To, to, to fish with the fishermen. To, to sleep on the hard ground and to live there and say, foxes have holes and birds have got nests, but the Son of Man don't even have a head or place to lay his head upon. There's no one cares like Jesus. Well, scoliosis has got me pulled over, Brother Tim. He knows what it is to be racked out of pain and distorted and hurting. He did that so you could be healed. He didn't do do that just to commiserate with you. Did you hear me, what I said? He didn't do that just to commiserate with you and say, yeah, I I got the same pain. I hurt worse than that, you know. Some people people kind of deal, you know. They can't sympathize with anybody without pointing out, oh, yeah, well, my elbow, my, you got to hear 15 minutes of how bad off they are. And, you know, my bobo is worse than your bobo, and so I need sympathy too. God ain't wanting to give you sympathy. God wants to give you healing, deliverance, for you to, to bring that thing to the cross And through the cross, the shed blood, approach the mercy seat and say, Jesus, your enemy, this wicked Haman, has been tormenting me. I want deliverance from him. And today, I bring that devil by the hair of his head there to the mercy seat. And I say, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen. The other day, my little grandson laying there, and it's his heart beating out of him and, and nauseated to his stomach. And I and I I had just spoke a few days before, and, and the Lord has spoke the words to me. He said, Bethany, the healer is coming to your house. And the other morning that enemy comes and attack, and I say, I'm going to take his head off. The healer's coming to this house. And I'm not the healer, but Jesus is going in me. Because wherever I go, Jesus is going. The Holy Ghost is walking in a temple and overcoming right here. And I took that baby in my arms and I said, Jesus, 
I'm taking Drew up before your throne. And the devil has done this to my son. Look what he's done. Now I'm putting him under our feet. Just a little bit, he's down playing. As if nothing happened. Why, the healer came by. He was wounded for your transgressions. And we're today living beneath our privileges. And we've let unbelief come over and try to put a veil between us. I want you to know that veil of worry, that veil of doubt is defeated. Jesus broke through that veil at Calvary. He ascended to it and he made a way. And every person can take that word of his and climb right up in that ladder into the very presence of God and make an accusation before God. This is my enemy. And today I'm bringing him to put him under my feet because there's no one cares like Jesus. Knowing that his body is a high priest in a mediatorial work that he's doing now. Listen, devil, now. Amen. That body must be in the presence of God at all times for intercession. For that God cannot see the sinner's sin. He sees only the blood of his own son. And knowing that, he sent back the Holy Ghost to continue to comfort his people. Does he care? Amen. Well, he, if you care, he cares. Amen. If you're sick and tired of being sick and tired of being sick and tired, God's already sick and tired of it. Bring him before the presence of God and accuse your accuser. And say, today is the end of my suffering. Today is the end of this sickness. Hallelujah. Why? Because I have a mediator. I have a mediator. We'll go down to the next one more now. He's sitting at the right hand of God tonight. 64 sermon. Doing his mediatorial work. And when that last soul is saved that was redeemed and seen and known by God before the foundation of the world, when that last soul is saved, that closes the book. And then the lamb comes out and takes the book out of the right hand of him that sits upon the throne. He's coming then. He's coming to the earth. And until he comes to the earth, it ain't over. Right now, there's mercy, great, and grace is free. Pardon is there to be multiplied. Pardon. I'd like you to bow your heads. I'm not calling a prayer line. I'm not asking for anybody to come for prayer or even raise your hands. I want you to go before the throne of grace 
The Bible said that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. But we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. But he was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us come boldly into the throne of grace to that mercy seat that we might obtain mercy and find grace in the time of need. I want you today not to reach out and touch me. I want you to reach out and touch him. Just reach out and touch him. As you reach out to touch him, to get his attention, as you reach out to get his attention, now, not an imagination now, but just in the spirit. I just want you to leave your seat wherever you're at in the spirit now. And I want you to go up that way that he made. Jacob's ladder that was made where angels could ascend and descend. I want you to go up that ladder. And I want you to go right now into his presence. I want you to do it as you are instructed to do it, boldly, without fear, not brassly, not because you're worthy, but boldly because he told you to come that way. I want you to go up there and say, Jesus, you see what the devil's been doing to my family? my son, my daughter. You see what the devil's been doing to my body that you paid redemption price for. In our day, you've created eyeballs. In our day, little woman walks up with a handkerchief over her, her mouth, Brother Branham thinks she's just crying. She moves it away. A big hole is there in her mouth and nose is gone. Just a gaping hole there where cancer has ate her up. But just in the presence of the high priest, she walks out of there Things begin to change little by little. A month later or two, she's in the meeting. Said, Brother Branham, you don't recognize me, do you? No, ma'am. I'm that woman who had no nose. And there with pink skin and a nose. Healthy. Mouth again. God can put eyeballs he can cause the mouth to be formed again. The nose to come back in place. 
We're talking about a God of miracles. Break through that unbelief this morning. Break through that spirit that says, I can't do it. And touch the throne. Walk right in there. Say, today I'm going for this need. Right now. Right now. Amen. Maybe it's not for you. Maybe it's for a loved one. Maybe it's for a sick husband. Maybe it's a condition in your body. But he was wounded for our transgressions. And he was bruised for my, look on him now, iniquities. And surely he bore our sorrows. And by his stripes we are healed. In a service just like this the other day, my wife sitting right there where she's sitting felt a touch. Looked around to see who touched me. Thought somebody was wanting by in the seat. You know, kind of nudged her there to let her know she was, it was passing by. And she looked and no one was there. But her arm that had been paining her for months. I'd touch it sometimes she would wince and cry up in pain during the night she would moan but that day in this service the high priest touched her every bit of that pain left and her body was healed he's here for your need this morning he's here to heal your body he's here to bring deliverance to you the healer is in the house. The mouth of the Lord has spoken it. It's going to be things done in this meeting this morning. We're going to be testifying in months to come of the healing power of Jesus Christ that swept through this place. I tell you right now, reach out and touch the high priest. Reach out right now and touch him for your need right now. And you say, you accuse your accuser. You accuse him. Amen. Before the Lord said, God, I'm bringing this evil thing right into your presence today. I'm dragging him up to your altar and I'm saying, Satan, we've had enough of you. You've tormented us long enough. And the tormentor's got to leave my body, my son, my daughter, my need right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Glory to God. Because his word is the truth. Amen. And even as you agree with it, as you say amen to it, he'll respond to your need this morning. Right now in Jesus' name. Now, Satan, I'm going to talk to you just for a moment. The word of God is true. There's no if, ands, and buts about it. It is the truth. And today... You have been bringing torment upon God's people. 
and you've tormented them long enough and today I come by faith before the throne of grace and I accuse you before the throne thou tormentor you have no right to any child of God in this place now leave them in the name of Jesus the blood of Jesus Christ be against you that at the mention of that name Jesus hallelujah that you have to flee now take your hands off of God's people in Jesus name hallelujah amen if you felt that release right now just start believing it just start to express it with all your heart just start loving him with all your soul now amen thank you Jesus thank you Jesus surely he bore my sorrows and by his stripes we are healed he was wounded right now I'm talking to you out there on the internet or wherever you're hearing this DVD if it's months later it doesn't really matter the words the same the Bible said the word went forth and healed them and today in the name of Jesus Christ we proclaim liberty to you that victory that is in Jesus let the healing purchase from the throne of grace flow right down into your body into the need that you have and you know that your enemy is dead in Jesus name hallelujah hallelujah Amen. Hey, won't you just wave your hand to him again? Just sing it to him. He was wounded for our transgressions. All he was wounded for our iniquity. Hallelujah. I'm surely evil. more time now he was amen amen sister Rissler the grief is leaving you the grief is leaving you you can walk in your victory and then you can have that peace in your heart amen and surely people our sorrow he bore that grief for you and by his rights are he just worship him now one more time he was hey man you see often need the words calling you this morning take another step higher walk right into that throne of grace
Reach out, touch the Lord. Just reach out, touch the Lord as He passes by. You are He's not too busy. passing by this Jesus, you see our little sister here who wants to obey you today in water baptism to be buried in the name of Jesus. I ask God that you would bless her today from on high. Lord, may this be the start of a new journey for her where she walks by faith and not by sight. May the deliverer be her portion. And the joy of the Lord be her strength. May you fill her with your Holy Spirit, Lord, to walk in the newness of life. I ask it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.